0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I wanna say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new, I'm Tyler, I'm the pastor here. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'm Tyler, I'm the pastor here. Uh, This is our three-year celebration. We got little balloons that say three. Come on now. We gave away free shirts, I think our best birthday shirts so far, anniversary shirts so far, Mission with just a simple three on it. I think they look pretty gangster. You're welcome. Um, We gave away individually wrapped cookies because COVID says you have to do it that way. Um, So we did it that way. Um, But yeah, we turned three uh, this month. It's crazy. Three years ago, we actually have a picture of our first service. Check this out real quick. That is the very first service Mission Church at the Garden at Heather Farm. Um, It was a series. Um, We kicked it off with one at a time. And what I love about our church is three years later, our mission has not changed. Our mission is to change the world one person at a time. That sermon was titled One Yes at a Time. Uh, I really believe this, that people need to have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to peace and yes to uh, reconciliation, yes to restoration. And Mission Church is on a mission to let everybody know that Jesus loves them, that, that he literally wants to have a relationship with them. So many people are afraid of God. Man, the only way people are going to say no to God in our our town is because it just sounds too good to be true. Hold on a second. There's a Jesus who died on a cross for me, who loves me just the way I am, but loves me so much that he wants to take me somewhere else. That is my promise. Woof. Now that's too good. I'm out. I'm cool with that rejection. But if somebody says no, because they just don't know, oof, as a pastor in this area, we're not going to let that happen. Does that sound good, Mission Church? All right. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to the message. Uh, We're in a series titled Knowing God, Knowing God. And Every week I kind of give the ethos of why we're preaching this uh, message, but I think one of the most important things about um, this this sermon series is that every week you see a new facet of how great God is. And the more you get to know him, you're going to love him. The more you get to hear his goodness and his power and authority and his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy and his holiness, you're going to want more of him. And so the title of my talk tonight, the title of my message is Blind Spots. Blind Spots. Ever say Blind Spots. So we all know the word Blind Spots. If you don't know the word Blind Spots, let me take you on a little journey real quick. I think uh, the most um, common term for Blind Spots is when we drive. Would you agree when you're driving, you got Blind Spots. You get taught at a very young age, check your Blind Spots. Well, I'll never forget my buddy Drew, one of my uh, childhood best friends, a brother to me now, um, the godfather to his kids. This guy is blind in one eye, and also would not check his blind spots when he drove. Legit, like one eye, legally blind in one eye. Um, and so we would drive, and I got in three wrecks with Drew in the first year of him driving, okay? Um, two, I was in the car with him. The second one, he hit me, all right? So the uh, first time we're in the car, and he doesn't check his blind spot, he's already working with only one eye. you think he'd check his blind spots. He backs up and T-bones Isaac's truck a New Tacoma um, right before basketball practice. Gets out of the car, ah! he like starts crying um you have friends that like are really tough but when something really bad happens they either scream or they just start crying drew would just start crying right away like "Oh, what happened i'm like you know that, 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 would, that that's how it went down so then a few months later i'm in a mitsubishi eclipse behind his pathfinder you know what he does he backs up and runs right over the top of us the back of his car is in the windshield in the windshield this is within months of each other third one we're in the car together and he hits somebody up front. No no blind spot, just he's a bad driver. Insurance companies (laughs) dropped him, wouldn't even carry him. Um, It's fascinating to me that when you first get your car, people tell you about your blind spots, but until you have your first run in, you really don't respect it as much. Now that's just driving blind spots. But the verse that I'm gonna read you real quick, it's in John eight, it's Jesus coming on the scene. And I want you to hear this real quick. John eight is this famous story about the woman who's caught in adultery. But a, a verse that I never knew followed that story is verse 12. That's one of the more famous verses in all the Bible. It's Jesus proclaiming, I am the light of the world. There's seven I am statements. We know these, the I am a great shepherd. There's a bunch of I am's. He is the great I am, of course. But I want to read you this verse real quick. Jesus comes on the scene in John uh, 8, uh, 8 says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Everybody say light let's turn the light on today. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I love that promise. Another way you can say it, whoever follows me will have no blind spots. They will walk in no blind spots, Uh, but we'll have the light of life. Jesus is saying, I came to get rid of blind spots. He came to open your eyes to things you never saw. And I think there's so many different types of blind spots in life. You ever have family blind spots you didn't know you had? Uh, Let's go back to when you were a young kid. If you're a young kid, congratulations, enjoy it. It's awesome, okay? Um, Body doesn't hurt. My shoulder hurts. I was worshiping. I was like, ow, what? I like ripped my shoulder. Anyways, um, 38-year-old problems. So uh, I remember being a young kid. First time my parents let me go over to my friends to go eat dinner. Like, okay, hey, can I go over to Joey's and eat dinner? My parents like, yeah, you can go over there. I was like, it's a big deal, you know? And so I remember going to Joey's and I was like, I'm going to Joey's to have dinner. Now the Johnson household, that was my, my last time, that's my family. We did dinner, dinner a certain way. So I thought every family did dinner a certain way. Well, I get to Joey's and Joey's mom gets around dinner time, and she's like, Joey, what do you want for dinner? Right there, I'm like, what's happening? You know, Joey's an only child. Any only childs in the house? I you had a different life. You had a different life you, you were the third adult in the home. You had an opinion. It actually mattered. Um, like they knew your name the whole time. Not sometimes, um, we had a family of six. Sometimes I was Nolan. Sometimes I was Lindsay. Sometimes I was McKenzie. I was like, my name is Tyler, you know, but you're an only child. You're basically the third adult. Well, Joe is the only child. And I've I feel like the Lord prepared me for my wife because all my childhood best friends were only children. Andrew was also an only child. You get more presents. Well, Rachel's an only child. They don't have birthdays. They have birth years. (laughs) Every day is a birthday. So anyways, so I'm at Joey's and Joey's mom walks up to him and says, Joey, uh, what do you want for dinner? And Joey's like, I want Olive And she's like, all right, let's go to Olive Garden. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, so we get in the car and we're going to Olive Garden and Joey orders food. First time I've ever been to Olive Garden in my life. I'm loving life right now. Then we get home, uh, we get back to his house. And she's like, what do you guys want for dessert? I'll make you cookies. And Joey's like, no, no, no I want cupcakes, you know? And so she's made cupcakes. Like, I was like, time out, time out. Is today your birthday? And I forgot it. Am I supposed to bring a present to this? He's like, no, Todd, this is just Tuesday night, man. I was like, what? Like this is how you roll here? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, my mom goes, What do you want for dinner? I'm like, Meatloaf. Oh, uh, you know. "Mom, meatloaf. I mean, whatever you want, I'm gonna get it. Now, now, here's what's crazy about that. I go home to my house again. Now, my eyes have been opened to my family's blind spots. Uh, I walk up to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, dinner the next night. Hey, let's have tacos tonight. He's like, Arr! who is you? This is my house. I am not your cook. Okay? I'm making stroganoff. You'd be lucky if I feed you something to eat. You're just lucky to eat in this family. You know, eat fast. You don't eat at all. And I remember like trying to like suggest to my dad, I was like, oh, okay, that's just a different way you do things. It's fascinating uh, when you get your eyes on a different family and you're looking on the outside in, you can see a different angle and your eyes light up a little bit. Um, let me put it this way. Um, you ever seen people with, uh, I would say, relational blind spots? I mean, these are, oh, this is a bad one, I'll just be honest. You ever, you ever hang out with somebody and they talk to you for like three hours and you don't even say a word and at the very end they're like, this was amazing, we should do it again sometime. you are like, no, we shouldn't. No. Like, that's an relational blind spot. These are all ones that, you know, we can work on. They're not bad ones. But the bad ones are, oof, spiritual blind spots. Man, the ones where Christians actually don't know that there's something going on in the spiritual realm. Do you honestly think Gavin Newsom is why California sucks? No. No. It's not him. Do you think America was bad because of Trump? No, it wasn't Trump's fault. No, it's not Biden's fault. I'm going to preach real quick. Can I preach a little bit? Welcome to our first service. I already went there. The Bible says there's principalities, demons who actually want to destroy school systems, demons who actually want to have kids kill themselves, demons who want to destroy families. And the Bible says, open your eyes to these blind spots. There are principalities that want to destroy the East Bay region. But if there are Christians that have their eyes open to these blind spots, we actually have a force greater in us called the Holy Spirit that cannot be stopped. And we pray and we say, this is not for you. The gates of hell cannot stop us. It's amazing when God opens your eyes to who you can be. Because this is the next one, personal blind spots. You don't even know how you were created. Peter, everybody told me he was just a fisherman. Until Jesus got into his life and said, "Now nah, you, you think you're just a fisherman? No, you you're a world changer. Uh, you're such a world changer. I got to change your name, Simon. That <clears throat> your name is Peter, and you're rock, and you're a world changer. If you allow Jesus to speak to you through His Word, if you allow the Holy Spirit to really shape your life, you're gonna hear a lot of great things about how God designed you. You're gonna find out that you're a world changer." you're gonna find out that you are called to defeat the gates of hell and change the world. So Jesus comes on the scene in John eight. And if I could be honest, John eight is, for me as I've read it, it's one of the darkest chapters in all of the gospels. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus, after one of the darkest 11 verses says, I'm the light of the world. Because in this 11 verses you're gonna see, is you're gonna see religious people wanting to destroy and shame a sinner. That's some dark church right there. Who's the sinner in the house? You are? Kill him. That's a weird church. That's dark. Can we agree that would be a dark church? Everybody, bring the sinners up real quick. Okay, stand right here. We're going to stone you to death. That is a dark church. But that's the church that man has created using the Mosaic law and perverting the Old Testament. Not only that, he's going to encounter a woman. She's a desperate housewife, basically. She saw a man, she, her Psalm 23 is a little different. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall take what I want. That's not how the verse goes, but she's manipulated it. We look at this verse sometimes, if I'm being honest, if you're, not, if you're new to church, there's a story. And we always think the Pharisees are the, the villains and the adulterer lady is the victim. No, she's a vicious homewrecker. She, she's somebody who saw somebody she wanted and didn't think about anything else. And maybe the guy saw what he wanted and they didn't care about anything else. And so it's just a dark 11 verses of man's depravity and religion hurting it even more. And so Jesus declares, I'm the light of the world. I don't know about you, but man, I need some light in my life. I, I, I'm gonna say this and we're gonna pray. You ever been to a movie theater and um, <laughs> halfway through the movie, your eyes adjust and you're like, did somebody turn the lights on in here? It's all bright now. That's probably what's happening in here actually right now as we speak, because it's pretty dark. There's not a lot of eyes on You uh, are not an X-Men. You're not a superhero. God created us with eyes to adjust to light in the rooms. And what's funny about halfway through the movie, you can see things, because your eyes adjusting to darkness. And so then it becomes somewhat normal. But then at the end of the movie, lights go on. And then you look around and what looked clean was dirty as all get out. You're like, what did, what did they put food troughs in the middle of every aisle? where people eating like this? I mean, just food everywhere. Like, what are these, a bunch? Did I, eat, did I watch a movie with a bunch of animals? I'm actually the one who spills the most. I'm the biggest animal in the group. But what looked clean was actually really dirty when the light goes on. And can I just submit to you that the world is a lot like a movie theater? We have adjusted our eyes a little too much to normalize what are in movies today. Oh, that's just music today. That's just the way kids talk today. That's the way we talk about politics today. Well, that's just the way uh, a TV series rolls this day. Well, that's just, that's just daytime TV now. No, when the light goes on, you'll see a lot more darkness. And you'll be like, I don't want any part of this. And Jesus wants to come to your life and show you a, a better way, a brighter way. Oh, a lovelier way. Does that sound good? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we give you this message. Oh, Lord, I pray that my words will fall to the floor and your words will sore. Oof, I pray that you take this average message, this average person, and use it to maybe make something amazing tonight. And Lord, I believe that your scripture cannot return void because that's what scripture says. Oh, I pray that my words would fall to the floor and that your words would soar. Oh, we need you. We need you. Everybody said, All right, let's turn to the Bible. John 8. We're gonna be in John 8. We're gonna go 12 verses. If you've been watching online, I've got this new style. Shout out to online again. Miss you. Wish you were here, but I get it. If, uh, take your time. Can't wait for you to come back. That's uh, when many people text me, hey, I'm bunking up with our, my mom right now or my grandparents. I can't come right now. Uh, all good. Miss you, though. Love you. Um, but I, I, I feel like I, for 17 years, finally figured out the way God wired me to preach. It took me 17 years, but I feel like I figured it out. And it's just reading scripture and just sharing the revelation and the uh, context that really just wants us to see in it. At least that's how I think I'm supposed to do it right now. So I'm gonna preach it like I feel it, is how I say it. Does that sound good? Okay, John 8, John 8. If you ever a Bible study. whoa, stool. Uh, first time in front of people, I almost missed a stool. And then we would have had to post the 5 p.m. instead of the 7 p.m. because you can't post me falling. Okay, let's go to John 8. John 8, verse one. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to him, said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Stop, other translators say, this is where they trapped him. All right, there's a lot of debris on the runway right there. Six verses, ton of stuff you got to unpack. So give me some time to unpack all the debris on the runway. I'm going to answer five questions that I feel like if you understand these five questions answered, this story will come to life in a different way. You might see a new revelation that might help change your life. Ready? First question is, what does it mean to be caught in adultery this time? Like what's, what, what, what's the big deal here? Well, let me just unpack real quick. The old Mosaic law, the Pentateuch, the first five books in the Bible, the Old Testament, there's laws of do's and don'ts, uh, 400 plus uh, I think don'ts and a few hundred uh, do's. Well, one of the uh, don'ts was uh, don't commit adultery. And the penalty in the Mosaic law was death. Now, a couple things in the background of this. This hasn't been, um, uh, theologians, scholars show that they weren't enforcing this the last 1,000 years. It was really hard because for you actually to catch somebody in the act of adultery and for it to be death, it couldn't be like a rumor. Yo, I heard um, so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so. Kill him. That, that, I mean, can you imagine that kind of stuff? Yo, I, I know you're cheating. Kill them. That'd just be terrible, okay? That's, so it wasn't by gossip. You can not do gossip. It wouldn't be even this. You know I saw both of them walk out of the same room together. Affair. Kill them. Can't do that either. You know what? If you had text messages, sorry, can't kill them that way either. Text messages would not work in this time. Here's the only thing that would work. Literally walking in the room and catching them in the act of adultery. Now you gotta ask yourself, why were the Pharisees inside somebody's bedroom in the act of adultery? How would they even know to go to that bedroom? This is a obvious thing the scholars showed that the Pharisees were setting this woman up to use her to trap Jesus. So the first thing you need to understand is, this is just birthed out of the grossest schemes. And can I be honest, when you birth things the wrong way, they're not gonna play out the right way. Let's keep going. Second question is this, where is the man in this? They bring the woman, they say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And all they say, where's the man at? I I feel like it's interesting to me that in the Mosaic law, this is what I love about the Bible, ready? The Old Testament was never, uh, was put in place to make sure there was no partiality. It was not meant to favor the rich. It was not meant to favor the poor. It was meant to favor mankind because God loved mankind. It wasn't meant to favor man. It wasn't meant to favor woman. It was meant to favor mankind. Woof! So here's what happens with man-made religions. They oppress women and elevate men. So these guys in a man-made religion, like, hey, don't worry about that guy. He's a dude. Let's just take care of the girl. Let's get her out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the guy, the guy was probably in the crowd. Yeah, kill her. She's an adulterer. I was there. I know. <laughs> I think he was there. So the first thing he get is, where's the man at? Even though, so let's keep going. Third question. We're, we're cleaning up the debris from the runway. Here we go. Why was adultery such a big offense? There's three things that in the Jewish law at this time that would equal a death. Murder. Common sense, hopefully, if not, let's talk after service. Uh, Idolatry, and then adultery. And for the Jewish fabric of family, they understood that if family was strong, everything was strong. And adultery attacked family. And if you don't think the enemy's trying to attack families again today, oh, open your eyes from those blind spots. Man, be vigilant about your home. Be vigilant about your family. Oh, that's a big one, come on. Next one is, in this question in this What's what's the girl's name? Another question, what's the girl's name? They come up and they just say, This woman. The Pharisees were using her as a tool to trap Jesus. Let me tell you about the Bible, quick. The Bible's obsessed with names. Jesus, the the Father, the Holy Spirit, they love giving new names. Old Testament, your name was uh, Jacob, now it's going to be Israel. Okay, your name was this, now it's this. Oh, you're the son of this person. The the Gospels, genealogies, full of names. Do you know in Revelation there's a book of life and your name's in it? Names everywhere. Here's the the problem when we stop to use names with people. Oh, that president. Let me put it this way. I'll let you get real with you. Tiger Woods, I'm a big sports fan. Tiger Woods got in a car wreck last week in LA. And I was like, oh my gosh, not Tiger. Not Tiger. I was like, it was like like one of my own family members. But here's the only reason I was stressed. Do you think he'll ever play golf again? And I I processed like this guy could have died. And then I went there after I started sending my message. Tiger Woods, put some names on it. He's the father to Charlie and Sam. He's the son of, I don't know the mom's name, sorry. He's got a girlfriend for two years. I don't know her name either, but I was trying my best. And I was like, this guy isn't a performer. He's a person. Man, the next time you start wanting to use somebody or you want to judge somebody, start putting some names around them. Oh, if you start to look at, leaders and officials differently and knowing that they're fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters, you just treat them differently. This, this woman, that guy, that person in the car, that's why road rage is hilarious. It's just a person. You don't know their name. Imagine if you like road rage to me, like, oh, that's Tyler. You change, right? Okay, let's go. Um, last question. Why was this such a big trap? Why was this such a big trap? I think we have to ask that question. Why were the Pharisees like, oh, we got him now. We got Jesus in a box and he's done. Let me just tell you something. You can't put God in a box. You can't do it. So so here's why they thought it was such a big trap. Jesus at this time was known as the friend of sinners. The friend of sinners. Well, they thought, well, if we have him kill a big sinner, he's going to be called the murderer of sinners. He's going to lose all his following. They don't like that he had influence. So they want him to trample on the sinner. That's one option. He'll lose that way. That's door one. They're like, okay, we got him in door one. He's trapped. Door two. Well, if he doesn't and he lets her just go and he winks at sin and goes, oh, it's all good. What's sin? Sin's no big deal. Just do your thing, girl. Do you, boo-boo. You know, whatever. If he does that, then he's trampling on the law and he's supposed to be the Messiah. Thirdly, the Roman uh, rule at this time They were the only ones in charge of capital punishment. Nobody was allowed to do capital punishment except the Romans. So then he would actually be uh, an enemy of Rome. So these three traps like, oh, he's done. And here's what's amazing. I'll just give you one of the the, the ending points already right now is in this story, they think they have him trapped, but the problem is, is that Jesus will never wink at sin. Can I just tell you something real quick? Church gets really dark if we start winking at sin. If we use our platform and we start preaching, you know what, just because I love you, it's all good. You don't even worry about it. If we start winking at sin at Mission Church, church gets dark in two seconds. We cannot wink at sin. But I don't want us to trample on sinners. So what do we do? Here's what Jesus does. On the cross, he does not wink at sin. He dies for sin. He pays the ultimate price for sin. He says, no, no, she's gonna pay the price, but I'm gonna pay it for her. Not only that, but the law, he goes, the law, the law demands a payment. The law demands a sacrifice. So I'm not going to trample on the law. and I'm not going to trample on, on the sinner. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show her grace. And door number four is this thing called grace. And the Pharisees were like, nah, 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 we lose grace. Not only that, he honors the Roman rule in that. Man, there's just something about the way Jesus rolls. Oh, let's keep going. Let's read uh, the next verse. Jesus bent down and wrote his finger on the ground. Wrote his finger on the ground. This is one of my uh, favorite parts of the message. I think it's hilarious. So, uh... So many theologians, so many scholars uh, have opinions on what it is. There is a common one that most of them believe it is, and I agree with this one. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my guess when we get to heaven. If I'm wrong, it's all good. This is just what I'm submitting to you, what he wrote on the ground. So um, you look at, uh, there's three things that most scholars believe why uh, what he wrote on the ground is this. Now, I think what he wrote on the ground, and most scholars believe what he wrote on the ground is people's sins on the ground. So like, maybe not even their name, but like, lusted after blank, blank. And so I was like, how does he know that name? You know, or like stole from da, 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 you know, I, something like that. Now, here's why I believe that. There's three reasons. One is uh, there are two Greek words for writing. Uh, the first Greek word just means write. The second Greek word means to write an offense or judgment against somebody. The Greek word in this John uses is the second one, to write an offense or judgment against somebody. So that's the, so that right there just says, well, he was writing an offense uh, uh, against somebody. Second thing is the later manuscripts say that that's what he did. And the third reason why I believe it is it would just be so gangster of Jesus to do it that way. It'd be like, oh, okay, you guys brought a sinner, huh? Well, okay, here we go. I'm about to read everybody's mail. You are a huge sinner there, Matthias. Um, Yeah, over there, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a huge luster. Uh, Yep. I mean, just all the other things. Goes on to say, let's keep reading. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. I think the older ones left first because they had the most sin. When we get older, we shouldn't get more prideful. We should get more humble. We should start realizing, man, I just, I need a savior. I'm just still so messed up at times. So he goes, the older ones left first. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, "No one, Lord." And Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Uh, go from now and sin no more." Oof! You ever meet somebody who lowers the bar in your life, who just like makes you settle for who you are right now? It's just who you are, man. This is what you do. That hey, don't, they don't they don't raise the bar. Like yeah, this is just be you, man, and you just stay in one spot. Jesus is the opposite of that. He raises the bar. He says to the girl, oh, people see a sinner? Well, I see a saint. I'm gonna raise the bar on you. I'm gonna say, go and sin no more because only saints can sin no more. I'm gonna give you a new identity with a new activity. I love her response. She said, Lord. I believe this is her salvation moment. The Greek word, I, I hate the translations that put in where she says, sir. The Greek word is not sir. It says master and Lord. It's a Greek word, master or Lord. You could tell a lot about a person the way they came as to Jesus. They'd call him teacher. They'd call him prophet but the ones that were saved, they call him Lord. And so she goes to Lord, what do you want from me? And he calls her to be a saint. I, I love this quote from a famous author that wrote a book um, called The Land of Beginning Again. I wanna read it to you. And this is what, really what Jesus did with, this, uh, with the adulterer woman. How I wish that there was some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Can I read that beginning to you again? How I wish that there was some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. Okay, pause. I'm about to preach. Buckle up. Get your ears ready. I talk fast. You need to hear this real quick. I think a lot of people in church suck. I'm gonna say that suck at getting rid of their past. They stink at it. They're terrible at it. They don't know how to get rid of their stinky old clothes. They don't know how to get rid of their stinky old identity. They don't want to get rid of their stinky old um, names they've been called. Can I just tell you something real quick? This is what the Bible shows. Just because you did a bad thing doesn't mean you're a bad person. Uh, can I put it this way? People who, uh, who have failed doesn't mean you're a failure. Uh, some of you, your ex spouse has said things to you and you still think that's who you are. Uh, some of you, because you know your kids, as they've gotten older, said things to you as a parent or the way you were. You see yourself that way. You see yourself some way because of what somebody said to you in junior high or high school. Can I tell you real quick that God comes on this scene to say, get rid of all the past statements. And it's a land of beginning again. There was an author that said this buckle up. She was pleading. I wish there was a land. Oh, where I could begin again where I could take these shabby clothes off. She was yearning for the kingdom of God. There is a land and it's the kingdom of God. And it's right here right now, taking back ground, I think of the Colossians verse. It says to throw off your old sinful nature. The the Greek word literally means to take your old clothes, throw it in the trash and put on your new robe of righteousness. Some of you, oh. I will have days still where I'll be driving and I feel disqualified from decisions I've made from 10 years ago. And if I let myself go there, I get really disqualified. It's almost like I hear the enemy whispering of, well, you've done this and you do this and you could do this again. And instead of turning it off, I feel like i turn it up a little bit. And the Bible says to turn that stuff off and go to scripture, meditate on the word of God. Oof. And when I do that, a, I'm, gonna, I'm, go, I'm not gonna go there yet because it's actually one of my last points, but you're gonna find out your masterpiece. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, um, uh, let's proceed. All right, so here's what's gonna happen. Um, after this, Jesus comes on. This is, this is the next verse you share. So after all that, All these people, the religious people want to kill her. She is uh, somebody who has committed adultery. It's a lot of darkness. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Stop. What I want to do is I I want to um, implement a little bit of culture tonight for Mission Church. Three years old. If you're brand new to Mission Church, welcome to the team. If you don't like our church, I forgive you. (laughs) I think it's pretty great thought worship was amazing, spirit-filled, powerful. Can we agree with that? Yes. I think, our, I, think our, I think our welcome team smashed it. How many churches give you free shirts and cookies? Right? You're welcome. We you even like sanitize your hands for you. It's a great church. Um, I think we have the best youth pastor on the planet. Shout out Joe Little. Come on now. Come on now. We birth- Hey, how many youth pastors birthed the youth ministry in COVID? This guy did. This is Joe and Paige's. they're new to our team. This is their first service. They've been here for 50 weeks. (laughs) They've never been to Mission Church and they've been on staff for almost a year. (laughs) Welcome to the team. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I think we had a great church. So so welcome to the team. So as we process uh, Mission Church, I think there's five blind spots that we got to take care of. Uh, Best way I can say it is when people come to our home, I want them to be wowed like I was wowed at Joey's. Be like, what is, is this how you guys do it every Sunday? Yeah, we just set it off. We worship like this. We love like this. We serve like this. We give like this. That's not how I see it. I've ever seen it at any other house. That's how we do it at our house. Man, let's show people a different kind of light. So the five blind spots, I'm going to go down the list, five blind spots that we can't have, because when you have the wrong, uh, wrong blind spots, you can really hurt people. But you get rid of the blind spots, or you can really help people. And man, I want Mission Church to help people. First blind spot is we can't have a better than attitude. A better than attitude. This is a bad blind spot. You ever been to a church where you walk in and you just feel like people that just make you feel like you're worse and less than? You got the better than Christians? I call it the varsity and JV church. You got the varsity Christians. I'm the better than one. They, they talk about propitiation. And they talk about all these books in the Bible. What do you think about the pseudepigrapha? And then they talk about other churches that aren't preaching the, the real gospel. And then they talk about other churches that don't know really how to do the liturgical things of service. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. Liturgical, okay. Propitiation, okay, okay. Yeah, pseudepigrapha, okay. And then three years later, you learn all those things and you start judging other churches because you're the better than church because you know all the things that you're supposed to. Oh, you're not gonna reach the world having a better than attitude we can't, we can't have the better than blind spot, blind spot. So how do you get rid of the better than blind spot? You got to know that you're a wretched, miserable sinner. That's what you got to know. Welcome to mission church. Let me keep going. We're going to, we're going to play a game. You thought that was bad. I'm Oh, I'm, I'm I just got started on this. Okay. Let's, let's do a game. So, so you can tell a lot about somebody with who they identify in a story. You know, they'll be reading a story and they are like, oh, I identify that person in that story. That's who I'd be in. So this story we're reading today, it's Jesus, the Pharisees, and the adulterer. And some of you, to be honest, you're like, oh yeah, I identify with Jesus. That's what I would do. I'm not the adulterer. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty great. I'm not, I wouldn't stone him to death, so I gotta be Jesus. Yeah, she came out like, oh yes, yeah, go and sin no more. Leave her alone, sinners. You know, like, yeah, I'd be Jesus. No, no, no. In this story, you're either the adulterer or the Pharisee. Nobody in here is... Jesus. Okay. So if you see yourself as Jesus. Let me just open your blind spot a little bit. You're the, mitred, uh, the, the, the wretched sinner in this story. Okay. So, well, I don't know if I am tired. Well, let me clear it up for you. Okay. We're going to do a little, a little fun quiz. Uh, four questions and then four answers. Ready? First question, raise your hand if you've ever lied. Okay. The ones who aren't raising their hands, point at them and say, you big fat liar. You just lied. I saw first service, most hands were raised up. This is a big lying service. About 30% of you kept your hands down. All right. So we got some real deal ones in the house. All right. So, uh, second question. Raise your hand if you ever stole anything. Okay, less hands. Yes, we do have a police chief that goes to our church. You will be talking to him afterwards. Shout out to Brian Hill. Love you, baby. Can't believe I just said love you, baby, to the police chief. I love you, Mr. Sir. Police chief. Sir. Brian Hill. Sir. Sir. I call police chiefs, baby. I, yes, I stole in high school. I worked at McDonald's, and the way I would steal is I acted like Santa Claus with other people's money, okay? People would come into the Walmart McDonald's, and there'd be a family. I could tell they, weren't, they didn't have a lot of money. I'd be like, what do you guys want today? It's, it's, on, it's on us today. They'd be like, really? I'd be like, yeah, order anything. And then i press the comp button. I'd be like, God bless you. I'm like, God bless you, sir. You're so generous. Yes, yes, I'm very generous with McDonald's money. I do it all the time. I'd, people like, oh, I just love nuggets. Oh, my kids. I would literally, hold on a second. I drop a whole bag of nuggets in the fryer, fill up a, literally a grocery bag of nuggets. Like, hey, here you are for the week. You're set. Oh my gosh, you're so generous. No, I'm a thief. I'm stealing. But it feels really good right now. You're welcome. So yes, I stole, okay? Third thing, ready for this? You ever lusted after anybody? Raise your hand. Where are my lusters at? A lot less hands on this one. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Last one, you ever been mad at somebody, just angry, where you just, just raging at him? Maybe you said something you shouldn't have. Like maybe like, in the Bible says, rock a, like empty-headed idiot. You call him an idiot. Bible says that that's literally like murder. You murdered somebody. Raise your hand if you ever did that. All right, a lot more, of you, lot more murderers in the house than ad- adulterers, okay. All right. So let's, let's, let's recap. This is a room full of lying, thieving, murdering adulterers. Woo! You know what's so good when you have a room full of lying, thieving, murdering adulterers? Other lying, thieving, murdering adulterers feel like they can come. That's <laughs> a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. The other problem is the opposite. We have a bunch of people who think that they're not that. I want to read you a story. Charles Spurgeon, when I was um, uh, studying, and I want, I want to read you my two, my, my two favorite quotes. I'm about to read them to you. Um, Charles Spurgeon uh, one of my favorite preachers, authors, uh, he shared a story about a prince, uh, a story here from a prince one time, and I want to read it to you. But before I, I, I go into that, I want you to hear this real quick. You may be saying, Tyler, how dare you make me feel like such a sinner? Tyler, how dare you make me think I'm so dark? Let me read you my two favorite quotes. Until we see ourselves as sinners, you won't see your need for a savior. A lot of you right now in the room, I'm, I'm okay. So then you really don't even need Jesus. You're okay. A lot of you don't see your darkness. So why do you need light? Let me, let me read you this story. A great English prince went to visit a famous king of Spain. The prince was taken down to the galleys to see the men who were chained to the oars and doomed to be slaves for life. The king of Spain promised in honor of the prince's visit, he would set free any one of these men that the prince might choose. So the prince went to one prisoner and said, my poor fellow, I am sorry to see you in plight. How did you come to be here? Oh, sire, he answered. A false witness gave evidence against me. I'm suffering wrongfully. Indeed, said the prince and passed on to the next man. My poor fellow, I'm so sorry to see you here. How did it happen? Sire certainly did wrong, but not to any great extent. I ought not be here. Indeed, said the prince again. And he went on to the third man, to the others who told similar tales. So one after another, so many similar tales. Finally, at last, he came to one prisoner who said, sire, I'm often thankful that I'm here. For I'm sorry to own that I've received my due. I should have been executed. I'm certainly guilty of all that was laid to my charge and to my severest punishment is just. The, prin- the prince replied to him, it is a pity that such a guilty wretch as you should be chained among these innocent men. I'm gonna set you free. Stop. I hope you get the picture of what Spurgeon's trying to show us. Can you imagine Jesus coming in the room real quick? Hey, what what you need? Not a lot, I mean, I'm not that bad. Okay. Next person. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? Pretty good. I mean, I, I, I did a couple bad things this week, but nothing that bad. Okay. How are you doing? I'm broken. I'm lying. I struggle with this. And Jesus says, okay, I can work with this person because they know they need me. There's something to be said when the room is full of wretched, miserable sinners. They worship different. Can I submit to you why I think a lot of churches, I've never been to a church actually that's really religious, that worships well. Never seen it. I've never seen a really religious church. Like they're just super religious. They're always, you know, they just, you know like, like literally all about, um, I don't want to go there. So uh, really religious. <laughs> super religious. Are we there? Okay, good. Um, I know why I think why they don't raise their hands in worship. It's hard to raise your hands when you got stones in them. It's just It's just too heavy. It's hard to raise your hands when you're throwing stones during service. I see them come to our church once in a while. Worship starts, and they're like, look at that person raising their hand all emotional. They're just chucking stones. Oh, that first song, not doctrinal enough for me. Here you go, worship pastor, stone, you know? But they always save the best one for me at the very end. They bring it up at the end, they come out to me, hey, pastor, I love today, but, and really their butt is like this. And then they tell me something that we should do better. I find it adorable when a Pharisee comes up and tells me how to do church. And can I tell you, we'll never have a better than attitude. We'll never say we know how to do church better than any other church. We are not experts on great church. Maybe we do crappy church, I don't know. I think it's pretty good, like I told you. Great, great gather, uh, greeters, uh, great worship. The speaker, he, he's solid, he talks fast, but it's cool. <laughs> I believe I was built for such a time as this. People have a shorter attention span. And so my fast speaking guy's like, I need a fast speaker in 2021. I'm going to knit Tyler Johnson in 1982 to be birth. And he's going to get yelled at in every speech class of his whole life for being too fast. But then when he becomes a pastor, it's going to be perfect timing. I remember being in sixth grade and my teacher, I'm rabbit trail, who cares? Um, I, it's, it's sixth grade and I gave a, um, uh, a, uh, a talk of uh, Christopher Columbus. Had a, it was my first time speaking in front of class. And so I was like, uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, 1492. And da, 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 da. and the teacher was like, Tyler, you, you look straight forward and you talk too fast. I want you to talk slower and look left or right. Something like this. Christopher Columbus was born in 14. Sit down, Tyler. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do anything in between. <laughs> well, now, It's good. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Um, Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I wrote down this quote. It's not very good, but it is what it is. Uh, We don't have the authority on perfect church, but we do have the authority to show the gospel that is about a perfect savior. Church is different when you have people who were wretched sinners and became saints. People are like, I was a lying, thieving, murdering, adulterer, and then Jesus encountered my life and said, go and sin no more. He said, you're no longer a sinner, but you're saying they worship different. They, they, they identify with other ones that walk in the room. Oh, I was, I was there. I, I, I get that. I, I wrote you, I, I wrote you a remix song of Amazing Grace. I want to read it to you. Uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, that should be our service posture every Sunday, Saturday night. Sorry, I'm still getting used to Saturday night. Shout out to Tina Ritter. She gave me a good uh, spotlight. Saturday night does have a win. You can go to Chick-fil-A on Saturdays, not Sundays. Thank you, Tina. Yeah. Oh, the Chick-fil-A people. Woo! Tina came out to me. Is Tina in the house? Tina in the house? Tina Ritter? Yeah, shout out. Uh, she, there she is upstairs. Uh, she's like, hey, you can go to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, I'm allergic to chicken. I'm deathly allergic. I'm, I want to move church to Sunday now because I want everybody else to be painfully not having chicken with me. feel that? Okay, go. Okay. Um, So here's my amazing grace. This this should be the poster. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I had blind spots, but now I see. I literally switched one word from blind, but now I see. Uh, Pretty blasphemous to mess with that song. But anyways, let's keep going. Um, I got a couple more and then we're done. Uh, Second one is Jesus is not a way. He is the way. This is one that we got to hold tight as a church. We can never be a church that starts creating different avenues for people to get saved, different avenues for people to feel good about themselves. No, Jesus has to be the way, the truth, the life. This is into discussion. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me is gonna be in light and not darkness. So we start giving somebody else a different kind of light, Oh, we dipped as a church. Do you guys remember the Apple Maps the first year they came out for the phones? They would send you to like Saudi Arabia when you wanted to just go to, like to the coffee shop. And be like, get on plane, buy ticket, go to Saudi Arabia, take right, take left. Like, this can't be right. Well, I'm gonna trust it. They can't be that wrong. And then you end up in Saudi Arabia. Anybody? Okay, they weren't that bad, but they were bad. Rachel and I were up in Seattle visiting my parents and we were going to Red Lion Hotel uh, from my parents' house in Puyallup to Seattle. And so Apple Maps, brand new. I got my first iPhone and I put in the Red Lion. It's like, okay, take out this, take this exit. Take a left, take a left, take a left, take a left. Finally, we're in a warehouse and it's like kind of sketch. I'm like, this is not the Red Lion Hotel. And I was like, darn you, Apple Maps. I still used it for the whole year because they were like, every like few weeks, we fixed it. And then you'd, you know, put in 24 hour fitness and it would take you to Dunkin' Donuts. You'd be like, well played, Apple Maps. You know better than I do. I'll take two donuts. <laughs> and you just eat a donut instead. For one year, Apple Maps stunk. Fast forward how many over the years. I love my Apple Maps now. I, I put in, I put in the, the, uh, the church today, and it was like three routes. 12 minutes, 13 minutes, or 14 minutes. And Apple Maps is on the dot these days. It's amazing. But how silly would I be if Apple Maps never fixed and I kept on using it? 13 years. It's going to eventually put me to the right spot. I I believe that it's going to get there. Oh, no, I'm in Iran again. Catch this. Culture is like the first year of Apple Maps, and they've never, ever changed. They've never gotten better. Culture says, go this way, do it this way, live this way, don't forgive this way, don't love this way, hate this person, like this person, stop talking to this person. Culture tells you all these different routes, and then you end up in Bitterville, the worst place to live. And if I could just, if I could submit to you today that we as a church, why it's so important for us to cling to the light, to point to the light, to live only one way, is I think one reason why people keep on picking culture is they have nothing else to say yes to. We have to look different. It's going to get a little awkward at times, but we have to be different. We have to love different, say different things, react differently. And the reason why is because we have a different GPS system. It's the Holy Spirit. Third one, almost done. Very similar to the number one, but I, I feel like these have to go in there. The I know better attitude. And, and really what, the way this manifests is you value being right above everything else. You don't value loving God and loving people. You just value being right. I think when you have, I know better than attitude, you get a lot of critics and you get a lot of critiques. But when you have a culture where I don't know everything, but here's what I do know, you start to get coaches and celebrators. And the church, and I can just speak for our church, Mission Church. If you're a critic and you love being a critic, Like we're gonna invite you to be a coach and a celebrator. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do uh, the good things he has planned for us long ago. It's basically saying you are made on purpose for a purpose. It says you're a masterpiece. Can I just tell you real quick? I grew up in public school. I met some pretty good bullies. Ooh, they were bad news. Then I started going to church when I was 17. And I had never seen bullies like that in uh, in public school that bullies in church dominate the bullies of public school for me. I I feel like the Pharisees in this story even, do you remember the arcade game where you had to whack the alligator or whack-a-mole? You had to whack, 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 whack. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I, I feel like the Pharisees played that with sinners. Whack a sinner, whack a sinner, whack a sinner, whack a sinner, whack a sinner. How many did you get today? 27. How about yourself? Great job. How many people did you critique today? How many people did you knock down today? So I get into church and I feel like a lot of the, people who I want to be my mentors, they think it's their job to break me. My bosses at churches that I work at, it's their job to break me. And I wanted to just scream at the top of my lungs, I've already been broken too many times. Broken in a broken family. Broken with words that were said to me at a young age that never should be said to a kid. Broken by friendships and betrayals. I mean, you name it, I could go on a list. I've already been broken. I need somebody to help build me up. I need somebody to tell me that I'm a masterpiece, that I was made on purpose, because I've already processed suicide, because I already think I am terrible. I mean, people in the church need coaches that celebrate them. Coaches that say, hey, you had a bad first half, but you can have a great second half. Hey, you had a bad first quarter, but that doesn't mean your second, third, and fourth quarter are going to be bad. I'm here for you. You're going to do it because I see a saint, not a sinner. Oh, the people that, you want to know why I know I can see a better quarter? Because I had a bad first quarter too. Oh, I thought I knew everything I didn't. Still trying to figure it out. If, if you want to get over there, I'm just right here and you're right here. I'm just a little farther than you. Come on, come with me a little bit. We'll go together. Oh, man, let's be a church that builds people up. The I know better than attitude doesn't build people up. It beats them down. Let's keep going. Two more and then we're done, church. Tolerating good enough. These are quick. Tolerating good enough. We will never be the church that tolerates good enough. Jesus did not die on the cross so we would have a good enough church. You didn't dine across. cross, you'd have a good enough marriage or you'd live a good enough life. Can you imagine him saying to the adulterer at the very end, hey, you know what? I know you had a bad childhood. I know that a lot of guys uh, um, are manipulators. So just don't commit adultery a lot. Just try to be pretty good. Well, you got it, Lord. See you later. <laughs> Could you imagine him saying that? Can you imagine? This is how the enemy works. He loves to pervert stuff. Hey, you know, I know you're a guy and you got urges and you know, you like the lust. Just don't do it a ton. That's good enough with me. Hey, I know you like to go to church. Go once whenever you want to. Serve whenever you want to. Is that just good enough? Oh, Jesus raises the bar and says, I died on a cross so you could have the life that I designed for you. And it is not a good enough life. It is not a good enough decision life. It is the highest bar of loving, forgiving, serving, conquering, becoming everything you're called to be. There's something in that swagger, a holy confidence. Woo! We will not tolerate good enough at Mission Church. Man, our worship is gonna be the greatest thing on the planet because the Holy Spirit's in the room and the deliverer's in the room. Oh, I thought they demolished it today. Let's keep going. Um, last but not least, worship team come up, we're done. Um, I went 15 minutes over. I'll do better next time, okay? They say 30 minutes is a good time. I went 40, I'm sorry. Um, last one, Jesus not, must not be only the light of the world, but the light of your world. This is a big one for me. This is a big one for me. Do you know one of the biggest things people crave today in our society is authenticity? In a world full of fake Instagram, fake everything, people want real. You can even see it just in the way people are shopping for food these days. I remember being a kid and there was like one organic bag in the whole store. And I thought it was weird. I'm like, weirdos who eat organic food, you big old weirdo. Give give me my Ritz, you know? Give me my chemical-filled Oreos. These are delicious. And now, like, everything I order is organic at Whole Foods. I'm getting fresh-caught salmon from Alaska. I have a lot of allergies, though, that's why. I got a lot of allergies. I blame Monsanto's. I don't want to talk about it. And now, today, in church, the last thing they need is to come to a fake church that talks about a light but never actually lives the light, and shares a story of what the light did in their life. There's something powerful when the light actually becomes your light. Psalm 23, can I just be honest? There's this moment in Psalm 23 that talks about valleys and it's dark and the shepherd's gonna lead you out of the darkest valleys. I've had some dark valleys in my life. if we had coffee, you didn't hear me preach, man, I'll share them with you. And I'll share the only reason why I'm here today is because there was a light that wasn't just somebody's light, it was my light and his name was Jesus. He was my Jesus, he was my savior, he was my redeemer, my leader. And he led me out of that valley. I've had depression, dark depression seasons. And without the light not being a thought, but actually being my light, I would have stayed in those seasons. I've had terrible things happen to me in my life. And the only reason why I'm here today and I have hope is because the light is not an idea, but it's my light. Man, we need those kind of Christians. Share your story. Don't be ashamed of your story. Guess who gets to show off in your story? Jesus. You may look like a train wreck. It's cool. You're not the star of the show. The world's not going to be saved because you're so great. The world's going to be saved because you share how great God is and how you're redeemed how bad you were. Ooh, I want that. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast.